Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, from the University of British Columbia, on the unceded Musqueam Territory. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this is episode 183. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zach Meisenheimer. And this is going to be a little bit of a different podcast, we're... We're going to do a few of these over the year, and we're going to be looking at what we're calling the first 11, and some stuff on the bench. So what is the first 11, I hear you ask? What we're going to do is we're going to look at a theme for each podcast. This podcast, we're looking at the biggest moments in Whitecaps history, and by Whitecaps history, we're going all the way back to 1974, to present day. We're going to look at the 11 biggest factors or biggest talking points or biggest moments that we think fit that theme, rank them 11 to 1, look at some of the ones that we're bubbling under and and pushing hard for a starting place but are on the bench, and if you agree or if you don't agree, let us know, because that's what this show is going to be all about. So for this show, we're looking at the first 11 biggest moments in Whitecaps history. And by moments, uh, some things will be exact moments, and some things will be like a period in the white cap. It's hard to to define um, this list, but we're we're, so we're trying to come up with eleven significant, like you said, factors that shape this team. So let's kick this list off with number eleven. Number eleven. 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 We might get some special sound effects. If not, we'll we'll see what we do. So for number eleven. We're looking at a supporters-based moment yes. or moments. Well, it's still a significant moment in, in the fact that they captured silverware. Yeah. We're looking at the record-breaking six Cascadia Cup wins. And in particular, we kind of feel the the biggest one of those was the 2013 Cup win, the, the first Cascadia Cup in the MLS era. Yeah, it's hard to choose which one was the biggest because they're all... It's like your kids, you can't really choose. Or like your dogs for you. You only have one dog, so maybe you can't choose. But when you if you had six dogs, it would be hard to choose which one was yeah. your favourite, right? But I mean, so, you, you have a couple of kids. Yes. So let's nail that down now. Which one is your favourite? Uh, the first one. Okay. So back to the Cascadia Cup. So the 2013 Cup, um, like you said, the first one in MLS uh, during... and And... As everybody knows, the f- first few years of MLS, the Whitecaps were not a very good team. 
Um, really Unlike <laughs> now, where they're absolutely stunning. well, at least they have a chance. They didn't want last year, uh, but they uh, <laughs> uh, but they they really did look like they were going to be able to compete with Seattle, and they didn't. Uh, Portland looked like they were on a better track than, than Vancouver, but that 2013 was the first glimpse of what can be done, and it was the biggest game I think, and the most surprising game out of all those was the away win in Seattle. It was a uh, yeah, a great, a great, great occasion. Uh, going down to Seattle, uh, the season was yeah was not. Um, there was some up and downs in the season, of course, but like that 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 game in Seattle was uh, pretty fantastic. We played, uh, I believe, it was a four four two. If I'm if I'm uh, if, I, if I'm right, uh, we played a four four two that night with uh, that young, was under Martin Rennie, of course. Under Martin Rennie, naturally, and uh, that w- we had a, a very very tall strike force of Camilo and Kakuta Mane. Yeah, and Kakuta Mane became a big in that game too. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. So he scored a hat trick, which uh, Camilo played a big role in, in help setting him up for, both yeah. in some passes and in the space that he created because people were um, obviously all uh, all over him uh, in terms of uh, trying to stop him. Uh, what, whatever happened to him? To, to Camilo? No, Kakuta Mane. No. I mean, he, he, he looked like that was his breakout game, and then... He's never been as good since. Well, he's had moments in like the Toronto game, the TFC game, but uh, so he's had moments. But it's the consistency and injuries that have been the issue for him. Yeah. Well, he's had great moments again in the Cascadia Cup again. Uh, was it like a year later or whatever against uh, against Seattle again, when he scored the only goal away yeah. to Seattle, where we where we claimed the cup in Seattle. But getting back to the cup win. Um, uh, they didn't capture the cup actually at that Seattle game. They had to wait a little bit for that. Right. Yeah. And so um, that was kind of it was a great win. It kept us alive in the, in, in in the Cascadia Cup standings. But we needed Seattle not to beat Portland and, uh, in the final yeah. the final their final encounter of the season. And the Timbers came through. And, and Timbers, you were there for that. Yeah. Too. So uh, there was about ten of us who had went down to the game in in Portland, and uh, it was. Uh, yeah, uh, it was great to see Seattle lose. Yeah, and uh, the Timbers Army how, presented us the. How the difficult is it to go down to like make a significant trip to Portland when you know there's only when was there any idea that Seattle was going to be able to lose or the look was it fifty fifty at that point? Yeah, no, I think I think anything could happen. Yeah, the cup too, right? exactly. It was a cup match. It was like you know, it wasn't my first time going down to watch Seattle play Portland in Portland, so I'd been there a number of times in the past. And uh, they've always been engaging and enthralling encounters yeah. um, of sides that, I, you know, that and, are not that are not my my side. And the so. Timbers had no chance in that game either, right? I don't think. No, in terms of the cup, no. Yeah. But but they should have a, obviously have a shared oh, a, yeah. sh- a shared uh, dislike sh- yeah. dislike for for Seattle. So they're uh, they were very happy to see to not see Seattle lift the Cascadia Cup in their stadium. Yeah, and uh, they were. I wouldn't say happy, yeah. but they were uh, less disappointed um, to to have to give it to us in, uh, on their on their capital stand in front of their supporters. And that trip uh, after that win, you obviously made the, a very historic uh, trip from Lower Cascadia to Upper Cascadia through yeah, Middle Cascadia. Through Middle Cascadia, yeah, it was great. Uh, we got to uh, so yeah, like I said, there was like ten supporters there, ten ten white cap supporters down there. It was almost like a fellowship of the cup. Yeah, like the Lord and, of the and so we we. Hung out a little bit in the stadium. We uh, we went out to the shoots together after the match with the cup and had a good time. Walked the streets a little bit, um, and then uh, yeah, we uh, 
Yeah, it was we had a good night with the Cascadia. Good night with the Cascadia. A little controversy though when you got to through Seattle. So yeah, on the way home, we just it was uh, Jeff Tinker and I were driving um, the leg from Portland to Seattle, and so we decided, hey, we should stop at some historical or meaningful places and take some photos. So we uh, we did that. We stopped at like you know some state parks. We stopped at, we stopped at the state capitol and yeah. and when we we took uh, some photos and then we stopped at like meaningful places that were important along the cup run including stopping at at um Tequila Star uh, Starfire uh, Starfire uh, Sports Complex where we had won it in 2008 uh which was a huge huge awesome an awesome game. Yeah. Uh, for those who traveled there was a group of of supporters who traveled to that game. So we stopped there, and of course it's like an open complex. So we just walked onto the pitch and into the field and took some pictures there. And yeah, took some pictures. Um, we stopped by CenturyLink and took a picture there because that's where we had gotten the result that was yeah. meaningful, and a few other places. And yeah, some yeah, it was some, good. Some people in Middle Cascadia weren't too fond. Yeah, we, we got threatened to get punched in the face. Yeah, but it. yeah, no, that's it's that's worth it. that's normal. Yeah, yeah he has from, got one of those faces. It's yeah. true, and uh, it's normal coming from people from Middle uh, Middle Cascadia. And overall, the Whitecaps have six Cascadia wins. They won the first two competitions back in the USL era, 2004-2005. Won it in 2008 as well. And then three of the last four years in MLS, the Caps have been Cascadia Cup champs. That 2013 that we're talking about, following year 2014, and of course last year's dramatic end of season, which kind of made the, the season at least finish on a high. That absolutely hammering of Portland which was a, a double whammy yeah because it added to the record breaking total of the cup and it, and it ended yep. Portland's season and that's all you can ask yeah, for yeah that's a double that was essentially the double for us last yeah. year yeah <laughs> yeah I mean the Cascadia Cup is like it's 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 for the supporters it's something like a little little it's, magical it's, little... it's downplayed a lot by the media and everything like that but I think <clears> you who cares what the media thinks at that point if supporters are loving it that's all that matters yeah what, screw the media what yeah. what, what media oh, I, yeah, well, it's nobody I have, I'm talking about the mainstream media no I know oh, no I'm, I'm just joking <laughs> no I I uh... Like yeah, I, I've, heard, I've heard significant times when the media goes, "Oh, it's just a Cascadia Cup." Yeah. Well, there's, there's two two things about that. One is, and and I think some of this is changeable. One is is yeah, because it doesn't lead to something else, right? Yeah, yeah. So the Voyagers Cup, they're like, "Oh, at least it leads to Champions League qualification or whatever." I, I think the more, I think all you got to do really is look at those look at those those the, the games yeah. and what they mean to the league sure. and what they mean to the supporters in terms of the efforts they put in, in terms of visual displays and traveling and all that kind of stuff. And it and it I think it does carry some weight. I think on a player level, I'd, I'd love to see because I'm pretty. Last time I asked, it, this was not the case. It would be good to see our players get like a bonus for winning the Cascadia yeah. Cup, I, even if it wasn't huge. Yeah, it would it would be nice because it, certificate. It, it shows it shows the important <laughs> it shows the importance uh, it shows the importance of of what it means. Well, it could mean something if Cascadia ever separates. And becomes yeah. its own country. Then, then it'll lead to a CONCACAF uh, thing because it's three teams. That's how many we had before. For Well, there's a Cascadia Football Federation. Yeah. I, I'm going to throw it out there. I want to see Jordan Harvey or Kakutamani get Cascadia Cup to twos for the wins that they've had. Yeah. Sorry, what? I, w- I want to see them get Cascadia Cup to twos. To oh, show tattoos. tattoos. Oh, I wasn't oh, sure what was you like, were saying there. Your accent was Tattoos, okay. Tattoos. Just to show their commitment to the club. It sounded like you were talking about that that uh, uh, shorter fellow from that TV show. No, <laughs> well, his name was Tattoo, too. Yeah, tattoo. Oh, yeah. Just the way he's... Or, yeah. And, and not the, the Russian lesbian band, either. 
just to go well, they're probably in jail. Yeah. Unfortunately. Let's go. Tattoo. Next up. Okay. <laughs> Cut that out. You say tat you say tattoo? Tattoo. You can't. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just, okay. So uh, Okay. So that was number eleven. Now, um now I think we're, we're probably gonna have to talk a little bit less, I think, for these because that well, yeah. otherwise okay. these other ones are not as important. That's okay, good. that's true. Right. <laughs> to you. So coming in at number ten. Number ten. We're going back to two thousand and one. And it's when the Whitecaps got their name back. It's a little bit like Stella getting her groove back. Yeah. But basically this time Greg Carefoot got the Whitecaps name back. So the, the the rights were acquired by somebody that was involved in the NASL. And so uh, Kerfoot actually had to reacquire them. Um, and because they used to, they were the 86ers. We'll talk about the 86ers down uh, when we get lower in the list. But the, the, the reacquiring of the name kind of brought everything back to kind of the glory days of the 70s. And I think in the late, early 80s. And I think that was kind of significant because it brought people... Um, kind of, kind of joined everybody together in a way, in a harmonious. Who, who is this Greg Kerfoot? I need to see a picture, otherwise I don't believe he exists. Yeah, he is like a bit of a mystery man. Yeah, but I mean that was a that was a big big moment for me. The importance of it is the fact that, and I know this is very controversial with a lot of people, especially people out east. Someone like Dwayne Rollins, for example, hates the fact, but by getting the Whitecaps name back, it gave the the Whitecaps, a lineage so that they could trace their history back to 74. Yeah. Hence on the back of the current strips since 1974. Yeah. If they hadn't got that name back, then the, the, you couldn't draw those lines. And a lot of people say it's a different club and you definitely can't draw those lines and that the club only goes back to the 86ers days. And we're, we're going to come to the birth of that, spoiler, later on in this list. But I just think it's very important for that reason. The history, the lineage, and just getting a name that is known worldwide. Yeah. We're not going to be a top 25 club in the world without a name like that. And Yeah, because the team, the team was pretty significant back in the 70s. Like, uh, And you, you, a lot of people in England knew about the team because of the players that we had, like Alan Ball up here at Beersley. So the, the, people knew of that name. Yeah. So that, that kind of brought it, uh, raised the bar a little bit. And I, I love the eighty sixers name, and I think I think it was I hate that. But but I don't think like for you example, you wouldn't have liked that. Like the, some of the uh, hardcore football supporters might not have liked that name, eighty sixers. Yeah, I, it, I think it is important, and I know. Yeah, like you said, Michael, there are those who would deny the connection, uh, you know, in the football community here, um, or in the football community across Canada that would deny that 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 connection to create that lineage. Uh, I think had they not got the name, there would still be this, um, there still would be a connection. It would just be more fractured. And so it was nice to see it, it come together. I think on a bit of a side note, it's kind of, aside from the since 1974 on, on the kits or whatever, it's, it's disappointing the way that the, the MLS uh, era of our club has failed to embrace other elements yep. of the the, of hoop. the the hoop would be a good example, but other elements of, of the, of the Whitecaps uh, history. Yeah, and I do think, though, that we are going to see a bigger embracement of it. So, I mean, the Whitecaps, they paid a nod to it in the 40th anniversary year with the, the Ring of Honor, not the wrestling. But I think in 2019, when it's the 40th anniversary of the soccer ball, that I think that's when we'll see the hoop. And obviously, MLS are not totally against those retro things. Portland's had a, a retro strip. And Seattle this year, and I hate to say this, they've got a really nice retro kit. Kind of quite envious of that. 
doesn't, yeah. doesn't have triangles on it for one yeah. thing. Speak, I, I, the last couple of games, I have not been able to watch the game. I'm more like have have my head away and listening to the game because I can't look the close ups when they show the kit. It's all gonna make sense every time I see the kit. Connect <laughs> the dots. It's all gonna make sense when Laughing Cow become the New Jersey sponsor. Okay. Then we're sense. we're gonna know. <laughs> so I think we've covered number ten there. Yeah. So now it's time for number nine. Steve can count. And for number nine, I've kind of been a little bit dictatorial in this, and this is my top eleven. And no, it's not. It's a, <laughs> it is a. It, it's a. Uh, but you you wanted this particular one. Yeah, I wanted and, this one in, and, and, and I kind of fought it. But yeah, I don't know what Zach feels, we'll talk about it. So I'm saying number nine, the current Champions League run, and for me, the reason that it's one of the biggest moments is it's put us on the international stage at club level. And, of course, right now, it looks like we could be going out at the semi-final stage. But we are technically a couple of wins away from heading to the UAE and the Club World Cup. And for me, just to get to this stage and to have people talking worldwide about us, we were featuring Sky Sports in the UK. Well, something then. Well, Alfonso was, I guess. (laughs) Um, They're just trying to big him up for his premiership transfer. I just think it's a massive thing. It's put us, as Mike Martinago pointed out, top, 20, top 24 yeah. clubs in the world. Yeah. Bang on. Yeah. Six confederations. Paul Barber sitting in Brighton, happy as yeah. Larry. So, I mean, you, you don't agree that that my, should be My it. only thing is is that we haven't seen the full run, so it's hard for me to put it in this list at this point. It could, like, if they, for example, if you're saying, like, if what happens and they get past Mexico... Um, if they get past Tigres and they and they get to the finals, or even if they get to the finals, this could skyrocket and go into the top five. And if they make it to the finals, I would say top three for sure. But if they win it, one or two. Well, if they win the World Cup, oh, uh, if they win the World, World Cup, Cup, that's number one. No World Cup, Cup. Okay, so yeah, so I think it is huge, uh, but it's just still early. And my only other problem is, is the the group stages. They weren't playing against the greatest competition. And um, in the first round, they, you know, they beat a team that was doesn't seem like they really wanted to be in there. Um, and that's the only pro- the first time they faced somebody of any significance. It's a two zero loss. But like you said, it it could be different down the road. I, I agree with you, Steve. In one sense, in that like it, we're in the middle of it, we don't know how it's going to end, right? Like if 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 the return leg, and they we, lose three nothing, if we get something. smashed in the return <laughs> leg, I don't think anyone's going to be like. Wow, this is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to our to our football club. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it does have it does have potential to to definitely be in the top eleven or starting eleven, I guess, Michael. But uh, for me, it, it's not you. You can't divorce the the group stage and the knockout stage from how we qualified for the the competition, and that will come up, I guess, later on in the list. So yeah, it could go higher in the list, but we'll see. So that's in at number nine. Next, we have. Number eight. So number eight, we're looking at the Whitecaps in the USL days won the USL Championship twice in the space of three years, 2006 and 2008. For us, the most significant one of those was the 2008 one. And mostly because it was at home. Yeah, so so 2006 was... The performance was more clear cut. Yeah, <laughs> we won 3-0 away to Rochester. There was a few guys who flew out, but most of them were actually guys who worked in the front office okay. who flew out. I actually listened to it live in Scotland because I knew I was on moving over here, so I listened on the radio. Wow, that that performance was probably more dominating and and whatever. And 
that was the era of Bob Lilly. Uh, the one that people here will remember more, probably have more fond memories of, is 2008 when we hosted the final against uh, Puerto Rico Islanders. Yeah. And the, when we shouldn't really have been hosting no, we the final, not have been, it was all it was all money, right? Yeah. yeah, it was all the same way that the Flounders won all those U- U.S. Open Cups. It was you paid to, to host games. Yeah, we we had a we had a better bid, quote unquote. Anyways, we hosted the final, two Charles BK goals, and uh, we won two one over Puerto Rico. And uh, there was a pitch invasion. Yep, I was part of that. The, I wasn't the. the Players invited some of the supporters to the after party in the front office. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't let us in. Uh, it was, I, it was I wasn't classic. invited to that. It, it was classic. It was a classic Vancouver football supporter culture story. Yeah, it, it was great. I'd I'd moved over here in two thousand and seven, but I'd moved over here at the end of the season, so that was my first season watching the Whitecaps. And it, to me, it's a special moment because of that as well. My first year here, they won a championship that year. East Fife won a championship that year, so my two teams both won championships, which I just, for and me, it that never makes happened sense. happened again. Oh, we've won a championship <laughs> since. Whitecaps haven't. And it was Tater's, first, it was Tater's first year. The, the core of the side was, there was a bunch of local guys that were kind of yeah. the, core, the core of the team. And even Stevie though, Kindle still playing VMSL, yeah, saw and, him the other week. And even though some of those guys weren't back the next year, it was, uh, it was yeah, it was pretty, pretty significant and pretty awesome. It was basically the, it was kind of like an end of an era yeah. in a lot of ways. It was the start of the new era with Tater, and then the next year the Whitecaps got the go-ahead to, to go into MLS. And then it was the end of the local guys, as you see, Stevie Kindle, Alfredo Valenti, Jeff Clark, moving on, and yeah. Well, they got moved on. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, was a, there was a bit of a, a, bit of a let's say, a power struggle there, and the coach won out. Yeah. So that was number eight. So now it's time for... Number seven. And number seven is a, a big moment, but a sad moment. We're going back to 2009. Je me souviens. That's about the only time I'll ever speak French and probably say it correctly. And we need some sad French music in the background while we do this. No, 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 And Zach's shaking his head. He doesn't even think this should make the top 11. I just feel it's important... We're talking about the infamous Voyagers Cup loss, where it wasn't so much that the Whitecaps lost it, that it was stolen. It was taken away from them by... Shenanigans. Shenanigans between TFC and the Montreal Impact. Actually, it wasn't... You can't even blame TFC for that. They went and did what they had to do, which was score a ton of goals. <laughs> it basically all, all falls on Montreal Impact for putting out a bunch of scrubs... They just picked people off the street, it seemed like. Yeah. Losing 6-1 in the night. Basically, TFC had to win by four or more goals to, to win the Voyagers Cup. We all thought the Whitecaps had won it. It was going to be our first ever Voyagers Cup. First time it would have been won by a non-MLS side as well. And history was taken away from us. Yeah, and I don't know. Zach can probably uh, uh, let us know if any uh, supporters went there. But I do remember the front office... I think they were standing somewhere and in the rain yeah. as as the game was. It wasn't, like being... the, it wasn't the front office. It was Tater and the and the squad. Oh, was it the squad? Yes, they were sta- there was, I, there used to be this I miss, I miss before renovations at, at Saputo. There Alternative was a, facts. There was this place. There was like this landing kind of above area patio sort of area. Yes, yeah, that, I remember that. And, the, okay. and Tater and the whole squad were watching from there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no one traveled that I'm aware of. 
Uh, most people here watched it at the Lamplighter together. Yeah, I was there. there. Yeah, and and so the game started, and they TFC needed to score four, needed to win by four. Yeah, and the game starts, and Montreal wins a penalty. Former Whitecap Tony Donatelli scores the penalty, and we were just like. This is a big oh. Yeah, the, the lamp lighter erupted. I actually have video of that that has never seen the light of day. You should, because I was just so well, sad after it because I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna film well, all we, the celebrations. If, if we ever do the documentary we've been talking about about that game, yeah, we, we could put that in there at that point. Exactly. So that happened. So one former white cap really helped things. Another former white cap who I is a great guy and I love him and he's doing some coaching locally now nowadays was. The keeper for Montreal, Serge Djukanovic. Yeah, he's dead to me. <laughs> and he uh, he's not dead to me. He's a good he's guy. He's involved in VMSL, I think. I, I think he's been co- or he has been coaching at Quantlin a bunch. But he uh, he was in that, and uh, it's hard to say he was. I wouldn't say he was horrible in the game. Well, but he the, might have the had team, one or two flubs. The team in front of him yeah, didn't, they didn't give any hung out to dry quite yeah. a bit, and. Yeah, six goals late. I I, I know people who were at the game. Who, who I know some casual people who went through the game. They're like, it was a terrible game. The other team just kept scoring and scoring and scoring, and they didn't know the significance of what was happening. But yeah. if you're from Toronto, it's yeah, called the Miracle in Montreal, and uh, you have a, obviously a different perspective on things. There's some people... Misery in Montreal, we could maybe yeah. go with. There's some people who will never let um, Mark DeSantis kind of live that down. He's kind of held up as you know one of the up-and-coming kind of... Canadian coaches who's had good experiences abroad, um, has good connections in Brazil and stuff, and he and he ain't getting a job in Vancouver. And he's now in uh, he's now in uh, San Francisco, San Francisco, the Deltas. In That's good. Uh, so I spoke to him a few times last year actually, and through he's USL, a, he's, right? Yeah, he's a really nice guy. He is a I, great I, guy. I hated. He's a great. I guy. hated him being so nice because of that. Yeah. But yeah, it was hard to not like him. No, I had a few conversations with after, after matches at Swangard. He's a great, he's a great guy. Yeah. But he was the one that put the team together. Yeah, yeah, but some, some but people they, as well they, got a lot of abuse because they thought it came from him. Oh, okay. They thought he wanted to screw over Vancouver. Yeah, which I find really hard to believe. But um, no, Montreal, the, the hatred. So there was huge pushback after that from the. From the ultras in Montreal yeah. over what happened, like so they they let they, their they did front a big protest at yeah. the next game. Yeah, yeah, they did some. There was some massive uh, expressing of their feelings over. Uh, you know, they don't care about us, but lose but, to Toronto in that yeah. way, and and to put that squad out. Toronto will hold over apart them from holding over us. They'll hold it over them and lord over it. And well, I think the rivalry between those two sets of fans. I, I, but I also think that the the Whitecaps uh, supporters. Um, they held it over Montreal too, whether it was against the supporters or against the club. And the, and the thing well, is, it, that, it made me hate Montreal, and yeah. I still, I still have no time for them at all. But you, are, although I do want them to beat TFC, there, are, there are there are some untold stories of the consequences of that, but yeah. we, don't, we won't go into now. But it'll be a different list. A different list, yeah. But no, they, yeah, definitely the the whole the whole hashtag, the whole quote unquote surrender but, monkey surrender monkey hashtag yeah. is definitely something that uh, people in Montreal have a strong perspective on. So as much as I disagree with you having it on this list, you're you are right, and it is a, a pretty significant moment in the in the history. Did we talk about the how what it led to to the other game? Should we talk about? Oh that? yeah, because uh, it it did it did lead to years of heartbreak in the competition yeah. basically because number it, of games yeah, and we'll talk about what ended that. Down the road. Yeah. Spoiler. I mean, just, just going over some of them, there was the, the infamous 
leading in Toronto and about to win her first Voyager's Cup when the heavens opened because of some weird voodoo spell that MLSE had put out and then the game got abandoned. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. A little no. bit of flooding. No big deal. No, okay, okay but, okay, it's it has to do with how they made the pitch and how they didn't, you know... There was some, yeah, well, not no, because it was. I think it was still plastic at that point, so they didn't have the ir- the irrigation for heavy rain. They hadn't yeah. really accounted, hadn't been set up. Hadn't You're been right. accounted for really, yeah. and so they they did play a role in yeah. that in, in how that stadium was put together. I, I mean, there's just been so much heartbreak in that competition. In fact, let's not even talk about it anymore. Of that okay. it's just a depressing. Well, we so, mentioned Hasley. So yeah, so let's move on it's now great to number six. Number six. Number six is taking us into the MLS era. Literally taking us into the MLS era. It's MLS expansion. At some point, Vancouver had to get into MLS. And there's probably still some fans that wish that they hadn't. But the game here just would not have thrived. If, if we'd stayed lower level, if we'd stayed in NASL, we'd have been still pulling a couple of thousand into Swan Guard. MLS expansion took the Whitecaps to another level and took it to the top tier of soccer in North America. Yeah, and they submitted the proposal in 2008, officially, and it was announced, uh, I think, in March of 2009, around that time. Um, a, a big night out at the Shark Club. Yeah. yeah. Where they were they were given, given T-shirts away, which I've still got up the stairs saying, Are you in? Which, which is a phrase I've heard a lot from my wife over the years. Oh, oh please, my no. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, it, it was a fun night. No, but it was it was a huge moment. Uh, you're right, 100%. Like, uh, th- there still would have been a team in the USL if they had never gone to MLS. Oh, yeah. But, we would uh, have been playing in front of thousands. Th- uh, yeah, two, 3,000. It would not have had the huge impact. More, more than the US te- team nowadays. And, and think of it, uh, players like Jarju, you would have never seen him. Oh, um, <laughs> Barry, Barry Robson. <laughs> Robson. I, Barry Robson. I would never have been able to discuss the Inverness East Fife game with him. There you go. There you so, go. so the significant moments the, due to Amelot. No, there, there are definitely, most people would say the, the, the pros far outweigh the cons. Yeah, no, the MLS and how they operate, I don't think there's not too there's many people who before and even more so now are not fans of kind of how they function and their lack of transparency and their they're, they're, their, their suppression of supporter culture. It's, and, uh, I, I can't speak of the supporter culture suppression. You know more about that. But they, in, in transparency, they are opening up slowly, but I don't even know why you need to open up slow, like open the doors up slowly to what's going on. Just open it up fully. Why are they, they they're, they're, they're letting us know how much like allocation money is now being traded they're, uh, like the here and there, but just open everything up. What's the, what's the big deal? Like, what are you concerned about? The one thing I always people say is they, they don't want everybody to know what the salaries are because they don't want like they don't want competition. They want other players saying I should be making that much as much as that guy, right? That's what they that, that's what they're worried no, about. No, they don't want. But they don't want teams. They don't want clubs within the league bidding against each other. Yeah, exactly. Or raising the prices. Or, or they, and they don't want players saying, "Oh, I want this much because th- this guy's getting this much too." No, but the players do know what the guys. Yeah, do, or but the but then they, and they find out because the the player union releases those information anyways. Yeah. So I don't see the harm in letting people know what everybody's making at any point. But yeah. but overall, the MLS uh, thing I think is huge. Like like we're talking about when it happened, 
Did you have any concerns at that point, or was did you think this was a huge thing for the world? Uh, I, I mean, at the, at the time, Michael's just walked in in his RUN t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at the point, no. The, the biggest concerns were, okay, we it stopped us from building a football-specific stadium for, for our club that our owner wanted to build with his own money on his own land or trading See, for land. That, so like, that was the, probably the biggest... That, 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 that was something that... would have been huge if that happened. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that was that was, di- that was difficult to, to have to swallow that and know that, yeah, BC Place is uh, nice because you don't get rained on, but aside from that, it's not it's not like the gradient of the seating and the... There's so many things that are not ideal about it. And they did a lot of work to I know, and make I, it nicer. I, 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 I like the fact that they put those sails in, but it's still you can still tell it's a huge Yeah, studio. they actually work way better than I thought. Yeah. And this, they look actually not bad when you when you see it on TV. I was, I'm kind of surprised by that. But the, the whole expansion thing, if we hadn't got in in 2009, we would have got in at some Eventually, point. Yeah. At, they, they'd have been pushing at some stage to, to get us in. And I think getting in when we did was great, apart from the fact it saves us a hell of a lot of money because we would have had to have paid an obscene amount of money no. to, to try and get in nowadays. But it, it, it got us in, and it was good to go in with Portland because you, oh, that's you've what got, I was ask you, yeah, yeah, you've got that whole Cascadian rivalry yeah. from the go, and that's that kind of elevated the league. Totally, and that would have hurt us if Portland had gotten in, yeah, and we were still in USL because when when the Flounders left, at least we still had Portland to yeah. play. Oh yeah, we'd have had nothing. We would have. Had, it and been the thing is, as well, we're Victoria. we're kind of on the outside of that rivalry Anyone as it knows. is, in terms of media perception and the supporters' perception of the American fans. Yeah, it'd be even worse trying to join that a couple of years yeah. down the line. And, and the thing is, the other thing is, is if we had waited, say it was if say it was a longer wait than 2011, and with the um, Canadian soccer wanting to create their own league, would they have allowed us to go into MLS and they would have kept us out of there in order to boost the national league up? Yeah, that's the truth. Because like nowadays they're saying no more Canadian teams. Yeah. Until so they if, they, if they'd got Montreal and Toronto in, yeah. would they have felt Vancouver keep them out? Team? Yeah. yeah. So we've got that in at number six. So that was the birth of the MLS team. So now we're going to move on to... Number five. And it's the birth of another team. It's the birth of the Vancouver 86ers. And so the story is right that there was 86 people who put in money to make it happen, right? Like that's the... That's, yeah, that's the lore of it. Yeah. It's nothing to do with the year. No, well, I think all, that was a tie-in. All, it was uh, a tie-in that Expo yeah. was coming. Expo was yeah. coming. The the Canada had qualified for the '86 yeah. World Cup. Uh, yeah, '86 was a pretty fine year for, yeah. for which, Canadian w- football. Which is which is normal in football, right? Like you yeah, know, in Germany, for example, you have Hanover. Hanover '96. They're called the '96ers there because they started in like 1896 or whatever. And like it's yeah, it's. It's normal, and you have you have your your pigskin team there. The 49ers yeah, hits, so that's uh, my that, favorite team. That's what, named what? after the Gold Rush. Yeah, there you the go. Gold Rush. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, like Schal- <laughs> like Schalke in Germany. It's Schalke Schalke old Ford. Yeah. Schalke nineteen oh four. Although a lot of the reformed teams in England, they do put the years of the original team in their foundation. Well, after, so, they, yeah, after they go bankrupt, yeah, and when they, they go bankrupt and the fans start yeah. a new team and, and they yeah. do put the year in, so it, it is actually a nice touch. Yeah. But I mean, the, the birth of the '86ers it brought professional soccer back to Vancouver after the NASL had gone tits up. I think they, it was '84 when that happened. Yeah, uh, the so that, there was a whole year where there was no professional football 
in Vancouver. And that's one of the reasons why folks say that there's no lineage between the white caps yeah. from 74 to now. But it, in, in fact, it kind of it might. We'll talk, who can, we'll talk about the lineage later, but it did save football in Vancouver, I think. Yeah, it, it definitely, definitely saves soccer here. And you kind of have to wonder what the landscape would be like here. Not just talking Whitecaps-wise, but like looking at all the other leagues as well. It's like, would somebody else have come in? Would a different ownership group have had an MLS team? Would we have got an MLS team a little bit quicker? Yeah. I mean, so so many questions. Like, if you look at uh, um, other teams, like, um, that maybe were in the NASL and they weren't able to keep a team going. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there are cities out there... Uh, not really I Canada, mean, yeah. but in America, I'm sure there's some Hawaii. cities that... I mean, there's no no team in Hawaii anymore. There you anymore. go. Nobody saved it. Yeah, people always ask me, oh, what, have you ever been to Hawaii? I'm like, they don't have any football games yeah. there. Why would I go to Hawaii? Rainbow Kickers. That would have been a good name. Hawaii Hulas. The Luau's. What the Luau's? They always Luau's. Anyway, so that's number five, the birth of the eight sixers. Not, not too much to say. It's kind of obvious as to, to why that was important. But we're, we're not just glossing over the 86ers because we are going to come to them. There's, there's one that's going to be very yeah. significant down the road. As we get into the top four. Number four. Number four, we've looked at Voyager's Cup losses, and Voyager's were, Cup heartbreaks. There's a lot of it. Now we're going to look at the most famous Voyager's Cup win ever by any club. In Canadian history. In Canadian history. Because the, that's the only history you have for Voyager's Cup. True. <laughs> 2015... Whitecaps finally get that monkey off their back. The surrender monkey? He was waving a white flag at the end. Yeah. The Whitecaps win their first Voyager's Cup. Russell Tybert grins ear to ear with his daddy, Victor Montagliani. <laughs> Almost dropped the... Pamidou Kaz flying around on a hoverboard. Yeah. It was a, a night made in heaven. And Gershon Kofi brought us the Voyager's Cup. I'll never forget it. I mean, it, it was a fantastic one. Beating Montreal as well yeah, kind of made it feel a little bit more special. And it kind Especially because of, of the balls up against Montreal earlier where yeah. they didn't have a guy in a post. 2013. That still irks me so much. And then it also it also kind of uh, lessened the blow of 2000, although it never will, but 2009 kind of... Uh, if it, we had won the first one against TFC, we still might have held on to 2009 probably a little bit more too. So I think the yeah. opponent made a difference. And, I mean, it goes back to what was number nine in our, our countdown here. It set up that current CCL run. Yeah. Totally. Kind of crazy yeah, that we're yeah, in 2017 yeah. and, to and me, we won that in 2015. For me, it's hard. It's hard. And as we talked about this before, off air, for me, it's hard to separate those two things. Like, to me, uh, the the current CONCACAF Champions League is is a part of us winning the Voyager's Cup or vice versa, however you want to look at that. They're together. Like, they're combined. They're a part of the same thing. Um, and this, in the same way, in the same way, when you you know you're talking about European football, you're like, okay, they got into this competition by doing X. Yeah, it's a it's a part of it. This could though be the longest cup run in soccer history. <laughs> you, you qualify and you get into it. Well, actually, it started if you if you have it all as like a a run thing. So it would have started May 2015. Yeah, and we're going into at least well, definitely we're going into April 2017 because the finals then, and then if we were to somehow manage the, the great escape, we could be going into December 2017. It, it, it would be, yeah, exactly. Very There's a book. Long run <laughs> documentary. Yeah. 
So, uh, g- getting back to the thing, let's talk about the games. The first leg, uh, Zach, what are your memories about that? We got a result away to Montreal. It was which it and, doesn't and, happen that often. They usually play pretty defensive in that first leg. Uh, yeah. In other other yeah. other. Clubs. So in uh, was it twenty thirteen? Yeah, we we went there and we we played crazy defensive. We had center backs playing holding mid. We had two left backs on the left side, and, yeah. we, and we tied zero zero and yeah. felt good about it. And then lost on away goals on the return leg. This time, yeah, we went for it a lot more. Uh, scored a couple of goals, including uh, I think it was that nice uh, near post free kick. From, from Pedro that I think was was not really expected to come in the, the near post. And we, uh, yeah, we got a result. I think we were, yeah, I think we like we led twice and got kind of pulled back, which was disconcerting. But but two away goals. I mean, that was always then going to yeah. be a massive mountain for, for Montreal to overcome. We left there in the driver's seat. And that was, yeah, that was huge. Um, so coming into the second leg, yeah, we as supporters had... Uh, we and our movement had been kind of working a progression where we started doing some Voyager's Cup stuff with Canada Flags and then the year after we connected with uh, our friends in the south side of Rain City to do a BC flag display and so for for this that that, that second leg of the final against Montreal in 2015 we did a City of Vancouver um, uh, display with words from the, the crest uh, the motto of the city the um, by le- by sea, by land, by air, whatever we prosper, and then on the other side it said, and on the f- on the pitch we conquer, yeah. and that was yeah, it was a, a great way to begin the match, and uh, it was just a great night all round. It was a good performance. They, but, they but did what they needed to do. The winning goal was kind of uh, it was it was t- it was Tatera's goal, yeah. but uh, Octavio made sure it went in. Yeah, remember that was yeah. the one inch goal. Oh yeah. yeah. And Some people wrote him for that, but I do not. Why? I, you got to make sure it's off. over the line. At oh, that no. point. I know, because he's like, because the show's like, are you in? And Octavio's yeah. like, I'll just make sure. Yeah. yeah. Are you in? The, 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 Montreal got sent down to 10 men, uh, like within the Cabrera, first half yeah, of the Because they're, yeah. they're dirty. Yeah. And then, and dirty, then, dirty. Then you're still, like, you're still nervous a little bit, but then that Parker goal in the second half. Yeah. Um, I think that basically... To me, Parker's good in cup competitions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's, he's got some goals in that. He's got goals in the Champions Absolutely, League as well. Yeah. So he rises to those occasions, literally, literally. To, to head home. But yeah, it was a fantastic night. They won finally, the leg 4-2. Two, two, they won the overall leg. Finally got the, the hoodoo off their back. And as we say, set up the current CCL run. So just before we move into the top three, I know you're all on tinterhooks here to see what's going to make it. We're going to look at some of the guys that made the bench. Well, guys, some of the moments that made the bench. We'll just talk very briefly on these. First one is, and this, these aren't, aren't in any order, just the, the order I happen to have written them down here. First one goes back to 1983, and it's the White Caps moving to BC Place. The end of an era, the end of the empire. Yeah, and I, I think this is significant because I think, like, I, I, I honestly can't tell you from 83 because I was too young and obviously none of us were there. But I'm base, basing this on the move in the MLS era from Empire to BC Place. For me, I enjoyed Empire so much, just being outdoor and enjoy, even in the rain, I didn't care. It was such an enjoyable experience. And then moving to BC Place, while I got very good seats in BC Place for the, for the last part of the year, I still, it was still, there was something missing from Empire. I, I really, I wish there was a way to keep that state. I think it was also, I really wanted that outdoor MLS stadium. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've moved to BC Place twice from yeah. Empire. Yeah. Uh, Nin- 1983, 
2011. It's, what do you guys think? It's kind of funny that they built that big stadium and then a couple of years later... There was no... And he is, well, I'd, I'd go in for one year later. Because they never really built... From what I understood, they never really built a team for the Lions. It was more for the Whitecaps. It, no, yeah. I, and it was actually also built to... Uh, <laughs> For, for baseball. Yeah. So yeah. if you look where the wag box now, where the all the, the wives and, and players' I look, families. I looked at that a lot, yeah. Yeah. That's actually supposed to be like, that corner is where home plate's supposed to be. That was supposed to be like the broadcast vantage point yeah. from, from up there. Um, so it was built for the potential of a major league baseball team. But it was built for all three. I could be wrong. It was built for all three. But my recollection, the only time I saw a football match at, at BC Place before the MLS era was... Uh, the Golden Balls match. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Fact, let, let's talk about that now because that is on our bench. And Steve wanted it in the the top eleven. We well, vetoed him. Yeah, I, I, I th- th- there's one big reason why I wanted this. Uh, be- you it, love it David Becker. No, it's not. You that. love Man United. It's not that. The great Satan of football, isn't it? No, it's not that either. Um, it's the, the Cockneys. <laughs> what what it, what I thought because when I was doing the when we were doing the research for this list, the one thing that came about this was Garber, Don Garber, who was MLS commissioner at that time too, thought that this was a significant moment and Vancouver did have a chance to be an MLS team, and I because I, I think they packed it. I, I can't remember the 40, exact 48, Yeah, forty eight thousand. Uh, you both of you guys were at that game. So yeah, yeah. being being at that game, I don't know if you remember. You were at the game. You're like, this place is not made for football. No, you were so far away from the. Pitch. I thought the city was not made for football because <laughs> the fans they're keeping balls that went into the but, crowd and this announcement's going, please return the balls to the pitch. And I'm like, oh my god, what but, have I moved to? No, no, but you were you were coming that from a European yeah. viewpoint, um, and and so I think that the I think I don't think it was really the atmosphere or. Whether people were educated, I think the people that people packed that stadium to watch that game. Yeah, it was good that there was a lot of people there. The game itself was. It, it was November two thousand seven. Well, think. there's a there's another story which we won't go into it now. It got postponed because yeah. I think Becca Golden Balls broke him out of Tarsal, yeah. so it got pushed back a month or something. Which there's some stories behind that we can talk about another Damn time. It, the Whitecaps have been plagued by the men of Tarsal. Yeah, and it uh, was two months after I moved over. Yeah, so. Uh, the game itself was not exciting, really. No. The biggest moment was Eddie Sarango was put in in alone and was taken down by Joe Cannon in the box. Should have been a red card. The referee didn't... I don't think, I don't even know if he gave a yellow card. Did he give a penalty? He gave yeah. a penalty. Oh, okay. I think he got reprimanded for not giving a red card after from like the CSA referee people or whatever. And then, uh, so we had the penalty, and then I think it was Sobrango didn't convert the penalty. That's all I remember. But a big thing that came out of that night was the poor refereeing. Got us ready. Set the trend. Yeah. Got us ready for MLS. <laughs> and I think it was the start of pro. My, I, I think pro began that night. The other thing was, the other really awkward thing was, was we, it was an end of season friendly. So we had brought in like three or four players from other USL teams yeah. to play for us to see if we wanted to bring them in, which was detrimental for some of our current players. And again, that's another story for another time. But I believe one of those players happened to be a gentleman by the name of Roger Levesque, who I still can't believe we brought him in for that friendly. The mustache. Yeah. You talk about the Golden Balls friendly, it wasn't just one. There was one here, and then about a year later, there was one in Edmonton. Yeah, no one counts Edmonton. And there was another thirty-three to 37,000 people there, and we actually won the game 
And I think that was also meaningful in terms of our exposure for us as a club. Oh, I'm sure, and I'm sure Garber probably that game. I'm sure, I'm sure honest. Garber thinking that oh, Edmonton, you know, it's only probably an hour away. Um, <laughs> that the, the, those fans will easily fly <laughs> drive into. Yeah. It, it is a drive into. It is only Vancouver. an hour. Only an hour. No, away. by I driving. Fly, I'm by just saying driving. <laughs> the, 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 those fans will drive into Vancouver. They'll pack that stadium too. So yeah. I, 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 I think his probably geography was. At least off it wasn't snowed off, no. which goes back to another one of the disasters in the Voyagers Cup. So yeah, let, let's move on to the couple of other things that we've got on the bench. Uh, the first MLS game. Yeah. In 2011. Toronto. Empire was buzzing. I was buzzing. The Toronto FCs. Uh, it was... I, I know the Southsiders, we made the march from Oscars Pub. Yeah. And it, it was great. You felt, oh... It was a sunny day. Yeah. Which doesn't happen that often in No, March. the weather had not been good leading no. up to Yeah, the yeah. yeah. And it, it was beautiful. The mountain backdrop. Just Every, everything about it just seemed... People were handed parkas. Yeah. Yeah, the ponchos. <laughs> they weren't <laughs> handed parkas. Yep. Handing parkas would have probably bankrupted <laughs> the, the club. But ponchos, that's hilarious. <laughs> I can just see the bean counters in the front office going, you've spent how much on parkas? <laughs> And the thing is, is that they got most of the ponchos back, so they didn't have to worry yeah, about the money either. I, that's very true, actually. Oh, oh but that was great. When I, the first I still goal have mine, though, because I'm Scottish and I don't throw anything away. Yeah, the, the first goal, the, 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 the ponchos coming in, uh, well, yeah. I'm sure the Whitecaps, maybe they didn't enjoy it. I thought it was great. On, uh, yeah, because I had to delay the match to clear the pitch. Well, it, it was cool. It was also very reminiscent of TSC's first goal in MLS, right? Yeah. Where they threw the, they had given out seat, like things to sit on. Yeah, yeah, and they threw and those they, out. They, they threw all, yeah. So yeah, we had Eric scored the first goal, which was yeah. great. Then was it Terry got the second? I think, and he jumped into the crowd. He jumped into the crowd. He jumped into Massimo's brother and his posse. He jumped right into all those dudes, and uh, it was kind of like a great moment for a local boy to score a, a big goal. We I also mean, had uh, Atiba Harris scoring a goal. And we were like, oh, great, one goal, he's going to hit 20 easily. He kind of bundled it in. And, and the, the best part about this was, um, uh, I think it was prior to the season, or maybe it was during the season, I can't remember, but uh, uh, your old uh, podcast mate, uh, Pierce Lang, was mentioning that TB Harris couldn't hit the side of a barn or something like that. And I think he scored his first yeah. goal, so... Uh, and first game. Of course, he never played it. Wes Knight as well showed some oh, yeah. unselfishness. He He'd never scored a Whitecaps goal, never has scored a Whitecaps goal, should have scored a Whitecaps goal, but he squared the ball. Hassley. And yeah, and then Eric Castley, first of anyone seeing him, most of us had no idea who Eric Castley was. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, this guy's going to be magical. And he was he for was. a couple of weeks. No. no, he had a he had a good <laughs> run. Um, he, he's arguably the best DP for the White He was no Camilo. He, of course, wasn't a DP. Yeah, there you go. Which is why he's no longer here. <laughs> uh, no, the, yeah, that 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 play by West Knight it was just like emphasized his, uh, you know, his unselfishness and was yeah, it was an incredible moment to see him make that that pass across and. And Eric get his second, and yeah, it was it was in what was a very very difficult season. Yeah, especially the away matches. Um, yeah, tell me about it as I went to RSL and Shivas in the same week. Um, that was not fun. The yeah, it was a difficult season, but but uh, those first... that, that that was an amazing way to start it. So now we get to the meat on the bones. It's our top three. Number three coming in at number three with a bullet. It's the birth. Of the white caps. Yes. The initial creation. creation. 
yeah, the creation of the Whitecaps, obviously everybody knows, 1973, late December 11th, 1973 is the official date. Denny Veach and Herb Capozzi. Danny Veach was driving over the Lionsgate Bridge. Yes. He looked out the window. He saw the Whitecap Mountains. He saw the Whitecaps on the water, supposedly below. And that's where the name came from. And from from small acorns do slightly bigger acorns grow. <laughs> <laughs> the Whitecaps, first season, 74. Of course, we, we should mention not the first soccer team in Vancouver. No. Yeah. Or in the NASL. No. Vancouver Royals played in the late 60s, basically Sunderland FC. But yeah, the birth of the Whitecaps, without them, this list wouldn't exist. No. We wouldn't exist. Well, we would We would <laughs> we exist. We would exist the podcast. But the, the podcast wouldn't exist. <laughs> I think this might be too much of a tangent for you, but I think that you're, you're living in the world of... That, that the Whitecaps front office want you to live in, that there's no football in Vancouver without the Whitecaps. And I think that that's not, one, not true. And hopefully, and you'll see, you'll see this summer that it's not true. And hopefully in the future, you'll see even more that well, there's more to football. But we wouldn't have a Vancouver Whitecaps podcast if the Whitecaps did not Touché. exist. Touché. And this Touché. is our biggest moments in Whitecaps history. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a monumental moment. You could argue it could be at number one because without the birth, there would be nothing. 74 was the first game um, in May. Uh, they played San Jose, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. I think it was a win. But some of the players on the... the I don't recognize most of these guys, unfortunately, uh, looking down on the roster. Uh, because they, 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 started, uh, they started mostly local players. They brought players uh, here and there from England. But it was mostly uh, guys like... Uh, obviously, the Leonard Doozy brothers were on the initial team. Um, Sam, St- still are. Sam and Bob. The one name I do recognize, Bruce Wilson. Yeah, he was uh, a player there. Um, other than that, head I, coach is, at is University there any you recognize Victoria for a listener. Jim Easton was the first coach. They had a nine and eleven record, and they finished fourth. So that's sitting at number three. Number two, we're going back to the eighty sixers era. Number two, and it was when the eighty sixers were absolutely dominant in Canadian soccer. Yeah, really great. The start they they started um, their first season was in '87 officially. A significant period uh, for the the Whitecaps. It was really a period, and I know we're talking about moments in this podcast, but this was a period of from you want to say '88 to '91, where they had the four championships won in the CSL. They had the longest. Unbeaten, they still up to the right now. They have the longest unbeaten streak in North American sports history, with I think it was forty six games, over two years, and um and and the team that if you look at down up and down that roster, it's a who's who of Canadian soccer history, like Mobilio, David Norman, Catliff, Valentine. It's just like you could go on and on. We could uh, the. It was a fantastic uh, a group, uh, like a solid team from front to back on that uh, on that squad. Uh, it's probably something we're never going to see in North American soccer again. Yes, you could say they were just playing Canadian clubs, and it wasn't like a North American dominance, but it was still a dominance. 
And that's why it's number two in our list. Yeah, yeah and, and uh, a couple other things was the, the even not only did they dominate Canada, there was one point. They won a North American. They North won North American. They beat something called Maryland or something like that. Maryland Bay. And the, the, they played the final in Burnaby. And so they, they were a pretty very a pretty solid team overall. They were from the American Professional Soccer League. So it's it was still, a, you know, a significant league there at that, at that point in um, in the history, yeah. MLS was not born at that point. Yeah, hot, hot bait. In addition to the four titles in a row, the fifth one, they actually lost the final. Yeah. So it was quite a run, those those five years. So that was the number two in our list. Now we come to the big one. What has made... Number one. I think you can probably guess what's made number one. So number one, it's from 1979. Must be the hoop kit. It is, it's the hoop <laughs> kit. That's the only thing that happened in 79. 1979, my wife feels I'm a little bit obsessed with 1979, mainly musically and TV-wise, and I don't know, it's just, it was a great year, and in the terms of Whitecaps soccer history, it was the biggest year in Canadian football, I would say. Up to this point, for sure. Yeah. I know you could maybe argue they qualified for the World Cup, but clubs, club Oh, club-wise, for sure. Club football. I thought that's what you were talking about. No other club in Canada has done anything on that level. No, and it, it might have been different if TFC had been able to beat Seattle at home. I was waiting for someone to say, but the Croatia Metros won the soccer ball yeah, as well, I and no one said that. No one no one bit. But no, basically, in, in Whitecaps history, it was massive achievement. 100,000 people packing into Vancouver afterwards to celebrate the success. That's how much football meant to the city at that time. Carl Valentine's speech. Oh, oh that's fantastic. I mean, it's in folklore, it's in legend, <clears> and <throat> it's something that I hope we'll experience at some point, Whitecaps winning a, a North American championship again. I, I genuinely think we will. Yeah. I, 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 think I hope I'm not in a Zimmer frame when it happens. But. And the thing is, leading up to it, they had to play that uh, semi-final against New York. Yeah, uh, initially, and that's that uh, went to the shootout and everything. And they're running, extra people, game goalkeepers and... running at each other, and they only have like a few seconds to score. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, wasn't the didn't we win because the guy he did a move or something, and, and he, he ran out of time. He ran out of the ball, didn't cross the line, t- something like that. I can't remember exactly. <laughs> um, but but uh, the, the final, I've got the program upstairs. They it's... beat the Rowdies ten from Tampa yeah. Bay, and it was in New York. The thing is, the final was in New York. They expected the Cosmos to be there, yeah. And so there were a lot of fans who I think they showed up, but they weren't they weren't very excited about the game no. itself. And they, and they all they weren't pro Vancouver. Yeah, right they there. were all anti anti Whitecaps. All those guys from New York. Yeah. Um, and it was a pretty. If you look at, at the team itself, it's a very stacked team. Obviously, the player you talking about before, Carl Valentine, but then you have guys like Alan Ball. Phil Parks. Phil was, Parks was the starter. He was the legendary White Cats keeper. And then uh, I think John Craven was very highly rated by a lot of people. Yeah. Then he went on to do a news round TV program on children's TV in the UK. And I remember when during the seventy when we were doing the the whole fortieth anniversary, um, and we were talking about who were the top players. Um, I think a lot of people brought in Kevin Hector, the forward. Yeah. Um, I never seen him play, but a lot of the old time White Cats fans were like very big on. Yeah. Kevin. Trevor Trevor Weimark got the goals. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, without doubt, we knew it was going to be the number one. Well, maybe we knew it was going to be number one, but it is. 1979 Soccer Bowl win, the biggest moment in Whitecaps history so far. And it's coming on the 40th anniversary as well. Yeah, 2019. I'm looking forward to that. Will we see the hoop? We will see the hoop. I'm on the hoops. So, that's our countdown. 
our first 11 of the biggest White Caps moments in White Caps history from 1974 to 2017. Hopefully there's a lot more to come. Hopefully we'll be bringing you some of these in the coming years as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. My name is Steve. You can find me at WhitecapsBeat on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at ZacharyAM. And I'm part of the Movement Cover Collective. You can read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. And I'm also the Whitecaps Beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so check out all my stuff in that. So thanks for listening to this show. Hope you've enjoyed it. Let us know what your favourite Whitecaps moments are as well. Shoot us an email at AFTNCanada.hotmail.com. Send us some tweets or leave some comments on the website. Until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the Caps. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Yeah.